Welcome to the Good Endeavor Business Show, where we explore profound meaning behind our work. I'm Mark McDaniel, along with my friend and co-host, Bobby Harrington. We're embarking on a journey to discover how everything we do in business and life, big or small, carries inherent significance. Join us as we delve into the heart of small business, aiming for excellence and service in every step of the way. Hey, this is Mark McDaniel. Welcome to another show of the Good Endeavor Small Business Show. My buddy Bobby Harrington, my co-host, is joining me today along with Chris Berg. And uh, Chris and I actually met on Twitter under the handle The Car Wash Guy. And so he and I have a lot in common when it comes to car washes, like understanding them. And it's like you're, it's like any old fix and flip um, or, or anything else. So um, but what I've learned kind of talking to Chris before the show is that um, there's a lot more to Chris than just the car wash guy. And he's got a couple other businesses and, you know, a lot, lot uh, more interesting background than, than just car washes. But, you know, for the first part of the show, maybe maybe we can go into that and then um, get into some other stuff. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, you're definitely welcome, man. So, you know, kind of kind of staying with that theme. The theme of car wash is like, tell us a little bit about that. Like, like I, I think I read, and I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up, but I think I read that you were looking at like mini storage as an investment and, um, every deal that kind of came along, it just didn't work out. And, and your broker kind of hit you with this idea of car washes and told you about the tax advantages and, and so on. And you just said, Hey, let's, let's give it a try. So, um, kind of walk us through that story. Yeah, I, I've had been an entrepreneur for 21 years and I've the last five or six have been kind of looking for a side hustle, really, because I had some extra cash and wanted something that would be kind of fun and, and lucrative to do on the side. And so I was heavily into Twitter, as a lot of people are, who's probably listening to this show, and about 2019, 2020, and, and through the pandemic and everything, storage was just the red, the hottest thing there was, right? So I thought, well, these guys aren't any smarter than I, so I, I looked into self-storage and it turned out it was just completely mispriced. Like you just, it was to the point where you couldn't make any money doing it, um, to, at least the way I looked at it and the, the deals I was finding. And so in that process though, I had talked to a lot of commercial real estate brokers and one of them had told me, you know, instead of self-storage, which you're striking out on left and right, once you look at this car wash, and I didn't understand how they were priced. I didn't, I didn't really understand commercial real estate at all at the time. And so I kind of blew them off and kept striking out, never got a self-storage deal done. And a few months later, I, I emailed him and I said, is that car wash still around? And he said, sure is. In fact, uh, they just upgraded a bunch of the equipment. So when I looked at it, got a, a partner who's a local friend of mine. He has another business and he was also looking for a side gig. And we dug into it and there was all this low hanging fruit on it. The owners who had it owned a bank. They were literally bankers. And so they paid almost no attention to this property. And so it wasn't on Google maps. They hadn't raised the prices. They couldn't remember the last time they raised the prices. They hadn't really done anything to the property. It was just, they had some attendants there who would work the property and they basically ignored it. And so, you know, doing what I do, I love to go into a business and change things and improve things, right? And make them work better, make them make more money. And so we got in there day one, we got 
conventional financing, put 25% down. It was a $650,000 deal, put 25% down. And we went in there day one, we put it on Google Maps, first of all, which is obvious to anybody who's you know, been a marketer over the last 10 years. And got the review, got a bunch of five-star reviews, started running some Google ads. We improved the soaps and chemicals so that you, the customers get a better, better experience. We fixed a bunch of stuff that the attendants who were working there had wanted fixed, you know, for ages, but the previous owners had just ignored their request. So they were psyched. They were excited that we were finally showing, putting some attention on this place. And we grew the revenue and the, the profit by about 70% in about six months. And so if you, if you do the math, you know, we only put down 25%, but we grew the, re- the profit by 70%. Well, we got four or five times back on our money in equity, right? Because now that place is worth 70% more. So wow. we- What did you buy? What? So was this an in-bay automatic, yeah. like self-serve? Yeah. So it's a, what we target is kind of this long row and it's, it's usually got three or four self-serve bays mm-hmm. and one end is usually an automatic. And that automatic is almost always a touch-free automatic. And- I didn't know about any of this. We just thought it was a cool property, but it's fortuitous that we actually got this kind of property because as most people know now, these tunnel washes, the, it's called a tunnel or an express or a conveyor fed wash are being built everywhere, right? If you're in any ma- major metro, you've seen these car washes go up and it's kind of scared people out of the car wash business because anybody could tell that these things are being overbuilt. But we are in a completely dem- different demographic. We wash the cars and the trucks and the RVs and everything that those places cannot wash. And those those places cannot wash about 50 to 60% of the vehicles on the road. So we're in a completely dem- different demographic. There are people who are religious about touch-free car washes, which I didn't know getting into this. I didn't realize my mom was a religious touch-free car wash. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, when I bought it, she says, now, it doesn't have those brushes, does it? And I said, no. And she said, I won't let those brushes wash, you know, touch my car. So there's a lot of people that feel that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a little different demographic. And these places are actually going away. They're being torn down in large part for, you know, for quick serve restaurants and for tunnel washes. So if anything, the supply of these car washes is actually on the uptick. The demand, I'm sorry, is on the uptick and the, the supply of them is going down. I kind of liken it, those specific washes, I kind of liken it to like trailer parks. Like people really aren't building them, but it's a great asset class. And um, you could even build in, and I saw this down in um, like Keough Island, I think, South Carolina. They had a fence around there and they had one entrance and one exit. And they had one price. So you you could become, you could get on a subscription and you could have like free vax and you could go and wash your own car or do the touchless wash and um, everything that these guys are building the tunnels, like all the reasons that they're doing it, you can build into this. And, and like you said, like 50% of the population would rather go to this.
Wow. Chris, one, uh, one follow-up question to that. You know, you talk about being an entrepreneur for 21 years and you buy the car wash and it wasn't really being run efficiently as it, as it could be. Um, it's always surprising how many, you know, businesses that exist out in the world that people are not investing in them the way that they should. And, you know, business is not, it's not a passive thing, you know, it very much is an active thing. And so like what's over these last 21 years, like what's your experience when you think about coming into a new business and applying, you know, leadership and vision and, you know, executing and all of that, like just how would you speak to that? You know, just kind of the active nature of being good at business and entrepreneurship. Well, I mean, so much of it is just about caring, right? Uh, I think so many people buy, especially a real estate project and think it's going to be passive. And so they treat it as such and they ignore problems and they let things degrade, right? I want to jump into a business. I want to maximize it. I wanted it to make the best, both the best um, experience for the customer. All of my businesses are customer centric. So I want the customers to have the best experience at, at any of my businesses. And when you do that, you got to listen to the people who are dealing with the customers, right? And that was the, the job one for us was just listening to the attendants. And so anytime I would go into a business and we're thinking about buying, I'm going straight to the people who are interacting with the customers on a daily basis. And I try to interact with those customers as much as possible. So we just hung out at the car wash for a whole day. And we were looking at the mechanicals and all this stuff, but I would go up to somebody who's washing their car and say, hey, first of all, I would compliment them on their car. Like, hey, nice car. This is cool, you know? And then I would say, so, you know, we just we just bought this place. You know, how would you improve things over here? And they would give us a million little things. Some of them were actionable. Some of them were not. But most of them were like, you know, this this thing doesn't work or, you know, I'm not, I don't really love this soap or a lot of it was, you know, the uh, attendant's kind of grumpy. <laughs> you know, he kind of yells at me if I take too long. So we changed the attitude of the attendants to say, these are paying customers. Let them, let them do this thing. There, there's this weird thing that goes on with power washes specifically that people don't want really dirty cars coming in. And there are people who actually shoo away people because their car is too dirty. And so I said, no, we, we actually put the first sign up we put on our marquee was we love your mud. Bring those dirty cars. And that completely changed their attitude about it. Um, about how they treat the, the clients. Now they're on board. It took a while to change that culture. So uh, first and foremost, the the customer experience. Maximize that. And then we do the kind of normal blocking and tackling. You're reducing any expenses. You're finding a way to maximize your income. We can charge now. We charge more than almost any other car wash in town because we offer a better experience. We don't want the people who are super price sensitive. There, we get reviews every once in a while say, uh, it now costs me $3 to wash my car. It used to co cost me $2. Well, that's a dollar, okay? But this car wash is fully functional. It's really well lit. There's somebody there to help you. And if you have a problem, you call the phone number. Somebody answers, okay? Try that at that other car wash. And you, if you're really about saving that dollar, go ahead, right? So that's kind of our philosophy with, with anything I take over. I think that's such a good principle because people get into business and they only think about the lag measure, which is, am I making money? Is it profitable? But you got to figure out the lead measure. You got to figure out the input in any business. Like, hey, what is going to make this thing actually go? Because 
if you could really focus on that, it's like, man, the outcomes, the profit, that's, it's going to take care of itself. If you got the right, if you got the right inputs. Absolutely. Absolutely. What what we found is that people, we, we upgraded the card readers as well because the the old cards, I mean, how many times you've gone to car wash and it just won't work, right? Like you can't, it doesn't take your card or whatever. We upgraded all that and we noticed that the average order value went from about $4 for a credit card to $9 because people, it was better lit. They were felt, felt safer there and there was an attendant to help them and all the, all the things worked. The brush worked and the pre-soak worked and all this stuff. So they were using everything. They were getting their car cleaner and they were happier with the wash. So we, we doubled the average order value on some washes just by like this, the simple stuff, it just makes sure things work and make sure they're having a good customer experience. You're going to make money, more money if you do that, right? From an X's and O's standpoint, there's probably somebody out there who's like, man, I got a crappy car wash that isn't going or somebody who's thinking, maybe I should invest in a car wash. So, you know, adding credit card readers obviously is a huge win. Adding functional yeah. credit card readers is a huge win. We talked a little bit about subscription. What what kind of software did you use to add subscription? And is it the same for like for both sides? So for the touchless and for the self-serve? Yeah. So it's a, a system called CryptoPay, which has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It's just an encrypted payment service. And they they hook up with a an app called Everwash, which allows people to have monthly subscriptions. Now there's a lot of different versions of that and there's a lot of different software. What we found out is that the hardware that's in the in the car wash kind of matters for your backend software and stuff. So there's a lot of different versions of that, but that's basically what we're using. And that's, people love the monthly subscription because it, they can turn on, basically they roll up, shoot a QR code with their phone and the wash turns on. Right. And that's really cool. You don't have to go through like getting your quarters or swiping your card or, you know, all that rigmarole. It, it's mixed for a lot more seamless payment experience, which is a big deal. And it's really nice for the car wash owner because I used to look out at these rainy days and I would be like, looks like we're not selling car washes today. And at 11.04 a.m. is when all my monthly subscriptions roll in. And I'm like, all right, it's not it's not that bad of a day, right? No, no, it's great. I love that. Yeah. So what kind of car wash do you have, Mark? Yeah, I was going to ask you if, if you did free free vax, but um, we've yeah. got... We've got a few, so we, we've got five of them. We've got one that's just yeah. pure in-bay automatic. So there's two lanes. Okay. And so yep. we went in and we added um, the DIN car units. So okay. it helped us, like we upgraded some equipment, added DIN car, added subscriptions, added free backs. And yeah. so that one's like, a, it's like two little mini tunnels. I mean, I actually think that yep. our wash is better than the tunnels. It's just a little bit different experience. You know, we're not, we don't have a lot of flashing lights inside of it, but you know, it's it's subscription. It's less expensive, and you the end result is as good, if not better. Um, then we have three that are like yours um, in one location, and then we've got another one like yours up in Asheville, North Carolina. That we actually just we did everything that you just said, and um, we just entered a contract to to sell it on owner financing, and so um, we took as much out of it as we put in it on the down payment and we owner financed the rest. And so it was a good deal. I mean, so what you say is right. Like if you do these upgrades and you increase the revenue, you increase the value of this business. And I think in this business, man, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like when I got into the car wash business, I did it 
as a tax benefit. And I began really quickly to realize, and Bobby touched on this earlier, like this is no passive business. This is like, no wonder the IRS gives you a big tax benefit because they know this is like a yeah. full-fledged business with a side of real estate. You That's know? exactly what it is. But and people, so, the sellers that we buy from have treated it the opposite. They yeah. treat it as a passive and it's just not. So, I mean, I'm still only, I don't know what you spent on yours. I'm still, unless we're in the midst of buying one or, or deal hunting, it's still only five hours a week for me, but it, there's phone calls and there's, you know, I've always got something going on to improve the operations. It's funny you brought up the lighting because we're actually looking at doing a laser show on the windshield in the IBA. So, but it's great. And I didn't know about the tax benefits. Like I had heard about bonus appreciation, but I didn't really understand what it was. And then at the end of the first year, we had just, we had bought two car washes and I, every December 29th or so, I email my accountant. Okay, what's the damage this year, right? What am I looking at? How much money do I need to sock away for the tax man? And for the first time in my entrepreneurial journey, she wrote back, she says, I don't think you're going to owe anything. I think you're going to get a bunch back. And I just did the, you know, the cartoon, like, what, what did you say? I picked up the phone and called her right away. And I said, did you mix up your email? Did you know this was me? Like I've owed money every year, you know, and I'm, I'm making quarterly payments. I'm having it deducted from my paychecks. And she said, no, this bonus depreciation that you got working for you here, I think you're going to get every dollar back. So my first year I paid zero. This year I will pay, uh, I, I reduced them by about 75%. So it's really attractive. And they're talking now there's a bill that's being worked out. They're talking about bringing back this this 100%, 100%. bonus depreciation. So we'll see if that pans out. So so Chris, for somebody like, I don't, I don't know this world at all. Yeah. And I'm sure there's probably going to be people that are listening that don't know this world. So I'm in the real estate world. I'm also a pastor. I do some coaching for somebody to just kind of get into this and talk about bonus depreciation and all of that. Like what would be a normal kind of like the way this works in terms of buying one? Like, how do you, how do you end up uh, where you're not paying taxes? Like what, what's like kind of the dummies version for why car washes are such a great investment for what you're talking about? For most people that I talk to, they have a W-2, right? They're, most of the people that I'm dealing with are not entrepreneurs. They're kind of wannabes, right? They're, they're look, they want to do something on the side and they're hoping that that side hustle develops into a full-time gig and they could quit their job, right? So for most of those people, if you have either a business or a W-2, I really like these ones that, that Mark was talking about and that, I, that we have, few self-serve bays and an automatic. We, we bought two of them. One was 650000 another was 760000 You can count on putting down about 25% on your first deal. So let's just say that's 150000 okay? So I'm going to do some math here. You, you Let me know if I'm going too fast or if I'm losing. And you're getting, like, you're getting like bank financing for the rest or selling financing? Yeah, you get traditional bank financing for the rest of it because it's real estate-based. If you were to go buy you know, a plumbing business or something, you wouldn't be able to put just 25% down without the SBA and without a bunch more hoops, right? But this is asset-based. You get a building, you get a bunch of equipment, you got real estate. So let's just say you put down 150000 on this place. What what you can do is you can, the, the IRS has determined that for whatever reason, the car washes 
are eligible for this bonus depreciation for everything but the dirt. If you were to buy any other real estate, commercial real estate, you would have to do a cost segregation study, which is if you're hanging out on Twitter, if you study commercial real estate at all, they say you need a cost seg study and you pay an engineer or you get somebody on the phone and you walk through and they have to do, well, this equipment is this and this equipment is 20 year and this is this. It's a complicated, it's a calculus. For car wash, it's easy. Everything but the dirt is bonus depreciation eligible. So if you can just figure out what that lot is worth, what you can do is you can go out and look on LoopNet or Crexy or any of these commercial real estate sites and just see what some bare ground is worth in the neighborhood. Get a per acre price on that. Apply that to the acreage on a car wash and subtract that from the purchase price. You know what's bonus depreciation eligible. It's a very, very easy math. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So once you do that, so on most of these places, the vast majority of the value is in the equipment and, and the car wash business, right? The equipment, the building and everything. On this one that we just bought, we paid $1.5 million for it, okay? The lot is only worth about 300000 So $1.2 million is available for bonus depreciation. Bonus depreciation last year was 80%, so we take the 80 times 1.2. That's right at a $1 million. That's a $1 million deduction off your taxes. For the vast majority of people, that is going to completely nuke your tax bill, unless you're making more than a $1 million a year, right? So for us... That worked out really, really well. I have some partners, so I was taking a percentage of that. I won't take you through all that calculus. But that's basically... So if you think out of it in simple terms, put all that aside. If the math was similar on a on this deal and you're doing $150,000 and you saved yourself on a $100,000 tax bill or even a $50,000 tax bill, whatever it is, you're getting that money that you've invested back so quickly because you didn't have to pay the tax man that or you got a big refund. For me, my tax bill and the money I put down on those first two car washes was almost identical. I had my invested money back within six months. Name another investment where you can say that, right? Even like multifamily, a lot of people see, you know, let's buy a little apartment building. Well, the returns on that are like, yeah, maybe 15% sometimes. I know a lot of people that are really excited to get 20%. I had a 100% return in six months because of that tax advantage. So that's why this is so attractive. And it's just a great business. I, I would not do this if it were just a tax advantage personally. I like that part of it, but I think it's a growing business and there's a lot of opportunities to to make really good money and cash flow off. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, one, one follow-up to that, you're, you're kind of starting to get into it a little bit. Like when you meet entrepreneurs, you know, there's typically kind of multiple reasons you're, you're going into business. You know, I mean, obviously you want to make money, you want to invest, but like, that's not your, that's not your only motivation. I would love to hear a little bit about like, you've been on a 21 year entrepreneurship journey. What are, what are some of those other motivations to do business, to do business well? Yeah. You know, my, my life purpose is to, to live a life of adventure and joy and to, spit it with my family and to improve the community around me. Like that is my defined life purchase. It's up on my wall. And so the, the easiest way to do that is to have my time, to own my time. And you can't do that with a W-2. I, I tried it. 
uh, I had to quit it when I was 27 years old because it was just, it was killing me, right? And I, I always thought I was smarter than the boss. And I couldn't believe that the American Standard was a two-week vacation. Like, come on, you can't do anything with two weeks a year. And so I figured out that the only way to do that, I was not born with an entrepreneurial body. I know a lot of people have these stories like, oh, I started selling candy in second grade or, you know, I, I started flipping cars when I was 16 or whatever. That was not me. My parents were not even close to entrepreneurs. I did it out of pure necessity. I wanted to be independent. And so my life's mission has come from this of, of having the freedom to spend it the way I want, right? And so doing these businesses is so gratifying because I, I get to do them on my schedule. They're extremely lucrative. So I can support the causes I want to do, I want to support, but I also get to spend a lot of time with my family. I value time more than anything. I could probably make a lot more money if I worked a lot harder, but that's just not important to me. I, I still make a great income, but that's, that's what drives me. And I think that drives most people probably that are listening to this, right? They, they would love the million dollar paycheck, the $2 million, these, these $50 million exits and things that you hear about, but they don't want to sacrifice the t-ball games, the soccer games, the, the weekend ski trips, the summers in Colorado, right? You can't, you wouldn't be able to do that, Bobby, if you had a hundred million dollar company, right? You're going to be nose to the grindstone blowing that thing up 24 seven. If that's, that's what most of them take, right? Maybe you do have a hundred million dollar company, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I, so we got you the big reveal decided. today here on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you have have similar priorities to me. Like that that summer in Colorado, you've built your business and your your vocations to where you can take that. That's amazing. That's exactly where I'm at too. You talk about kind of work life balance. You know, um, being an awesome entrepreneur and trying to be good with your family and all that. Like it's kind of like there's a place to there's kind of a place to start, and then there's a place where you end up. I mean, you obviously have probably built a pretty awesome life and balance with business and your family, but you probably, you probably didn't start there, I would guess. Or most people, it's going to be hard to start there. You got to, you got to build that out. What, like, what does that look like for you now in terms of work and family and hobbies and passions? And yeah, so, um, for me, it's waking up early and, and tackling the biggest tasks of the day at like five or 6 a.m. And just diving straight into the important stuff. What goes along with that hand in glove is delegation. Um, and there's so many opportunities now for people with the offshore arbitrage that you can do, hiring assistants overseas and things like that. You don't have to do your own bookkeeping anymore. I don't think any entrepreneur should be doing their day-to-day bookkeeping. And I know the vast majority of them are still. You, sh- you don't have to do, you don't have to be answering the phone at your business anymore. There's all these opportunities to delegate. So for me, just from a pure tactical standpoint, I'm up at five. I come straight into my office. I do a little bit of email arbitrage. What's important? Shuffling. This person needs that email. This person needs that reply to that real quick. And then I dive straight in. Most of my businesses, what I'm doing is controlling the marketing. And so I'm looking at, I'm looking at a direct mail piece right now for our car washes. I'm watching our AdWords spend and the keywords and kind of stuff with that. Um, and then we're looking at budgets to do upgrades here and there. Uh, and then usually by 7 a.m., I'm upstairs with the wife and kids, helping them get ready for the day. And I'm back in the office by 8. And I'm really done with the really important stuff by 10 a.m. For me, that's 
the key to it is getting that important stuff. For years, I would procrastinate the really critical thinking, the big leverage stuff into the afternoon when my energy was done. Like I'm, I'm, my brain power is probably at half by 2 p.m., right? So by 2 p.m., I can do meetings and stuff and, and podcasts, stuff like this. And, and then I'm usually done by 4 p.m. That, that middle part of the day is working out and, and lunch that I covered. So I guess to answer your question, it's really about attacking the big tasks, finding the high priority, high leverage stuff and doing it first part of the day and then spending my, uh, my big mental energy on that and then making sure the rest of the day is smooth and, and uh, I'm not stressing about. Because it, it, when you're procrastinating that stuff, you're you're creating this stress, right? Because you know what you should be doing, you know what you got to do to advance your business, but you're just keep kicking the can, kicking the can. Did you did you change your lifestyle to that? Based off of because you know there's a lot of psychological studies that show like the best way to get through something is to go straight through it. You can't go yeah. around or wonder it over it. Yeah. Is that is that through trial and error in your life or did you kind of like read something and and just kind of have that revelation? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it was trial and error for sure. I mean, I think I think anybody would advise you to do that, but it's so hard to do big decisions. And when you're kind of alone in a business, you know, you're a solo entrepreneur, you never really know with these big decisions like which way to go. If you're inexperienced, if it's your first business or your first 5 years, first 10 years sometimes, right? Like what is the right decision? What should I do? So having a mentor can help with that. Also, just taking action and just just freaking decide, right? We How many times have we figured out that, oh, that decision was fine or it wasn't as irreversible as I thought it was. I can go, I could go back and change it. I could change my mind. So just, I think more than anything these days, I'm just about action, right? Like anytime I have anxiety about a decision, I just get to work on it. I just dive right into it. And all the major problems that I've had in my business, I've had businesses go from, I had one business that was completely dependent on Google rankings, right? And we went from making a profit of $50,000 a month to $500 a month with one Google update. And I was like, I, I literally laid on the couch and cried for a whole day and drank and finally realized that my my wife was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you got to do something about it. Got up and got to work on how to market this business. So the upshot was three months later, that business was way better than it was. It That was all these things about your crisis. Every crisis is an opportunity. It's completely true. Every time I've hit a roadblock like that, my business came out better. So now, now my whole goal is to bring on those problems. Like I tell my team, like, bring me the big ones. I love the big juicy ones, the existential ones that were like, oh my God, I don't know if we're going to get through this. Like we may cease to exist. I'm like, hell yes, let's do it because I know we're going to get through it and I know we're going to have a, have a better business because of, it. so I'm excited about this now. If you can flip that mental switch, because there is no business without these problems, right? There is no business that doesn't have problems, people problems and customer problems and equipment and money. They all have problems. If you can flip your mind to say, I can't wait to solve this problem, you're just going to have a better day. You're going to have a better life, right? And you're going to be a lot more successful because it, the bigger problems you solve, the more money you make. 
Chris. That is rich, man. Bobby and I just did a podcast on this idea of failing forward, like embracing yeah. failure so you yeah. learn and then you can get better. Um, right. Did you have, like when you were growing up, did you have an example? Like was your mom or dad an entrepreneur? Like did, could you see this in action or is this, this is all like. No. You know, this, this is like all raw living. Yeah, this I guess you call it the school of hard, hard knocks or whatever, but it was, yeah, it, it was just trial and error. It, it was a fierce desire to be independent and to be in charge of my own ship, you know? So that was kind of driving it all. But then, no, I used to get really spun out by problems that my first business, which is in the construction business, it was just every day. Every phone call was a problem. You guys screwed up this, they, they didn't do this, or we, we can't complete the job because of this. And I, I was stressed out, maxed out for years. And it took me a long time to figure out, like, that is the work. That's what the business is. It's not part of the business or it's not this downside of the business. That's what it is. It's solving these problems every day. So I, it was just a mind shift. I, and honestly, I think even like 10 years ago, if you had asked me that question, I wouldn't have been able to answer it. I would have been my... My answer would have been, I try to avoid problems, but they still seem to find me. Now I'm trying to find them. Yeah. Sounds like you derive a lot of joy from solving these problems. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there watching you and listening to you and seeing, looking at you and seeing how you're, you're solving these problems. And are you doing it with grace or are you doing it with anxiety, turmoil? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because, you know, it's at the end of the day, you're a leader, right? You've got a team, even if it's just one or two people, they're looking to you, how you respond to these things. And if you can respond to them calmly and with authority, they're going to stay with you forever, man. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to stand by you and they're going to pick up on that. And then they're going to do that. Then then they can take on the problems, right? Yeah. Which is the ultimate goal. So yeah, I, I think it's a philosophy that, that works if you can flip your mentality around it, right? That's awesome. Chris, drilling back down on something you said, you know, like, man, with where we are in the world today, like you don't need to be doing your bookkeeping. You know, there's so many different ways to basically, you know, outsource and scale and do what's most important that only you could do for the business. Like it's, it just sounds like you have a lot of knowledge and experience in that. Like, can you speak to that a little bit for somebody that's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, like ability to go have somebody somewhere else do the bookkeeping. Like what, what, what's that been like? So my, the first time I, I did this, it was, I remember it very well because it was, it was 2009 and Facebook had just come out with, I mean, Facebook was very new anyway, but it just come out with a page. So you had a personal profile and then you had a page for a business. And this was the hot thing. You had to get a business page, right? Well, back then you still had to know HTML. Like you were literally like designing. It was, it wasn't as easy as it is now. It was way more, you had to be a programmer. And so I didn't know the first thing about programming websites. I couldn't, I couldn't even use WordPress, let alone, you know, this HTML stuff. So I got on a site called Odesk, which is now Upwork. And I found this guy, his, and his handle was the Facebook page designer. And so I, said, fix this stuff for me. I don't, I don't know how to do this. And it was so simple and he knew so well what to do. And I was like, well, can you do this? And can you do this? And can you do this? He's so he's still with me. His name's Muhammad. He's in Pakistan. 
He's been with me for now 14 years. He fixes all of our websites. He does it for about $30 an hour, which is life-changing money for him. And the best part is we're working on his green card. He's going to become an American. He's moving his family over here as soon as we go through the process. Wow. So a lot of people have this reluctance, like there's an American pride thing here, right? They have this reluctance. How can you go offshore and give this job to somebody offshore? The reality is, is that it's, it's really... Most for most amateurs, it's it's five hours a week, it's ten hours a week. It's hard to find Americans that will do that, right? And these people, like our bookkeeper, our first bookkeeper, he had an MBA from a college from the most prestigious business program in the Philippines. So not only was he a bookkeeper, he was a financial analyst. He brought in all these tools that we were like, well, I didn't even know what a balance sheet was. He was like, you got to be looking at this thing, you know. So it's easier than you think. I suggest every entrepreneur on here that doesn't have one, go on to Upwork and look at virtual assistants and look at your daily tasks and look at the repetitive, redundant tasks like coding your credit card statement into QuickBooks. Okay. Think about how much time you spend on that. It's probably at least an hour a month, might be two or three for a lot of people or coding your, your entries from the bank the standard bookkeeping stuff, invoicing, think about how much time and think about what you should be doing instead, right? I should be thinking about new, I should be getting new customers and I should be thinking about how to charge our existing customers more and provide more services to them. I should not be worrying about my bookkeeping. That doesn't mean you shouldn't know your P&L and your balance. You should absolutely know that stuff, but you shouldn't be entering the stuff that's in it, Right? I do a finance Fridays. I review all of our P&Ls every Friday, and but somebody else does the heavy lifting. But that gives me time so I can look at a P&L and say, uh, P&L is a profit and loss, by the way. But I can look at this line and say, why are we spending $12,000 on software? Like, what is all this software that we're buying? And dig into it like, oh my God, we don't need half of this stuff. You know? So it took me 20 minutes instead of four hours this month so it's an arbitrage that I've, every single entrepreneur needs. You need a virtual assistant, at least one, to get that stuff off your plate. Start tackling the big leverage stuff. I think that's the biggest mistake newbie entrepreneurs make is they're doing it all, right? They're stressed. They might still have a W-2, yeah, right? They're trying to cram too much into a day and you can outsource some of the stuff. And, and Dude, I see it as like, it's, it's a way to save a little bit of money. It's an HR gift. Like, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's amazing. We've got a couple in Bangladesh and they are the sweetest, most hardworking, responsive people. It is just a gift. Yeah. And, um, it's amazing. I totally agree. Like I was reading Nick Huber's, uh, he, he puts out, he's at, he's a sweaty startups and he's got like 11 businesses, but 80% of his workforces are VA based $5 an hour, $1,200 a month. 80%, like basically all his business, which is just, just incredible. Now the culture of this, this VA culture is now seeping into South America, which is a massive advantage for two reasons. Number one, the time zone is much better. Problem with the Philippines and Southern Asia, like you talked about, Bangladesh and Pakistan. Pakistan is almost the, on the exact opposite side of the world. Like it's 2.30 here, it's probably 2.30 a.m. Pakistan right now. So having your people work that graveyard is tough. You got to, they have to be wired in a very specific way. And it's really hard for if they have kids 
Whereas Brazil is basically on East Coast time. I think they're one hour yeah. ahead or something. So you could have this arbitrage where you can have them working synchron synchronously with you, same time zone and everything. And they speak Spanish, much of them, not Brazil, but Argentina, Venezuela, where a lot of our people are. There's everybody who's in America right now has a sizable portion of their customer base who's Spanish first, right? So they're great customer service reps. Man, I love what you've done, like, because it's easy in the VA world to kind of like go online, see a picture, see what they do and treat them as like a throwaway product. Right. You right. know, but it right. sounds like what you've done is actually dug in and created a relationship and gotten to know these folks. And so they're willing to bend over backwards for you and, and, you know, and vice versa. I'm sure you're willing to bend over backwards Absolutely. for them. So we do bonuses. I would encourage any yeah. entrepreneur out there, like if, if you go down this VA path, like, just just don't look at these folks like, oh man, this is just a cost savings measure. Um, like look at them as people. Um, yeah. Like, you know, they're you teammates. Here. They're teammates. You're going to get to know them. We do. We make a concerted effort to know their families. We do things like show up with a picture. We have a weekly huddle with everybody and there are people all over the world. And we say, show up with a picture of your neighborhood because we see what their home or their office is like. I want to see the outside of the house. What does your neighborhood look like? And so you get you get the gamut. You get people, you know, live in all kinds of living conditions. Some of them awesome and some of them just sort of normal suburbs. And you get to realize like this is what they're this is what they live like, you know, and then we we go through goals. What's your personal goal for 2024? Uh, one guy wanted to start a restaurant on the side, you know. One guy wants to move to America and get his citizenship. So we get to, these are teammates. These are not uh, remote workers or they, like you said, they're not throwaway people. We know their families. We know their kids, you know, their spouses. So it's, it's really gratifying. That's awesome. Wow. Chris, as you look forward, you know, as your businesses grow and hopefully you're leading more people and you have more responsibility and, you know, like, how do you think about your own kind of personal development? Like, how do you continue to grow to continue to lead at a higher and higher level? That's a really good question, Bobby. It's, um, I'm really trying to focus on listening more, especially as Americans, we talk too damn much. <laughs> and I'm just trying to listen to people more and listen to their ideas. And instead of waiting to talk, so many of us are, you know, we've got, we've got, I, I'm waiting just as soon as he shuts up, I'm just going to come out with this thing. And I'm, I'm trying to internalize things more. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm starting to, to write more in a good old fashioned pen and paper journal. Um, I found that that I've had a million note taking apps, like all the computer stuff. I never look at that stuff. It's just gone. Right. And maybe I, I'll remember it better because it's in there, but I'm, I'm just, it's a little bit of journaling, a little bit of listening. And uh, I'm also doing some events with psychedelics specifically with psilocybin which a lot of people know is is magic mushrooms and uh that's legal now in colorado it's really changed my brain and i did not realize that my default state was a low level of anger for a couple decades of my life if you guys if you guys ever seen inside out it's a pixar mm, movie yeah. if you have kids yeah. maybe you've seen it yeah. But if you look at 
the father in that movie with the with the little girl who's the subject of the movie. The gal in charge was Joy, right? The little the happy girl, blue hair, she's bouncing around. If you look at the father, the guy in charge was his anger. And that was the dude who was driving the bus. That was the guy who was in charge. And that was me for years. And I didn't realize it until I started doing these psychedelics and microdosing and stuff like this on a regular basis. And I realized I don't have anything to be angry about on a regular basis anyway. There's annoyances. I have this tremendous life. I have these amazing kids, this amazing wife. I should be, my default should be happiness. It should be joy. And that has really changed how I deal with my kids. I'm way more patient. I have a son who's ADHD who can be really trying. And how I deal with him, I'm, I'm, I lead with love now. So my first reaction instead of, now, now, now we're not doing that or stop what you're doing or stop fighting or all this stuff. Now I lead with love and say like, What's going on? Why Why do you feel this way? Why are you screaming at your sister right now? Instead of, shut the hell up, right? <laughs> so it, it's made me a better dad. And uh, we're trying to help other people reach this state with our psychedelic conferences. I'm sure this could just be like a totally additional podcast. But like for people that don't know, like, this kind of world and what's changing and the way people perceive this and what it actually is. Like, how does, how does somebody all of a sudden, like for you be like, you know what? I need to, I need to try psychedelics. Like what is. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know what it is in one word, Bobby, it's, it's clarity. So many people have just this cloud. They don't know what their mission is. They don't know why they're doing this darn thing. Maybe it's their business or their career. Maybe it's their marriage, you know, but they don't know why. They don't have their purpose figured out yet. And over and over again, we see with people who do these with us is they get clarity. One example is my friend John came and he was at the classic phase in his business where do I sell it or do I scale it, right? I don't know if I hated this business or I, or I love it came out of that thing, refound his love for the business, and it's doubled in nine months because now decisions were easy. He had clarity. He knew exactly what to do every day. Another guy, a military veteran, was an elite operator, the most elite helicopter pilots in the world. Came home and he was doing property management. He was power spraying decks. And you think about the depression that was set in, and you're a superhero. You're literally... You're almost wearing a cape every day. You're there at the tip of the spear for America. And you come back and you've got some guy who owns a mansion screaming at you about how his deck's not cleaned or something. Like how hard that would be. He had no purpose. He had no mission. Now, eight months later, he's got a mission. He started the business of his dreams. His income has tripled. He has that purpose again. And that's what these substances do for people. And there's a lot of people like you, Bobby, who have a really deep faith, who are wondering like, what is this going to do to my faith? Is it going to make me question it? Invariably, it makes it even deeper because these substances, specifically psilocybin, if you go back to where they come from in Central America and even parts of Africa, 
their names often derive from some form of speaking to God because people report over and over again having an in-depth conversation with God. And for people who struggle with that, maybe they, their faith is deep, but they, they, they don't have that pathway to God. They, I see it over and over again. They are able to speak with God. So it's deep in their faith. It hasn't, it hasn't changed that you, if you're Christian going into it, you will be Christian coming out of it. Most likely you will feel even closer to Jesus and maybe you'll even get to have a conversation with him. So it's, it's very, it's a very spiritual experience that's completely individualized to you. You're not going to come out of it hippy dippy, you know, peace, love, and earth. I want to, I want to give away my possessions. I don't need business anymore. I don't need money. I want to drive around a bus with flowers in my hair. It doesn't happen. You know, it's not like that. Oh, man. Well, man, that's what I love about talking to entrepreneurs. You just don't know where the conversation's going to go. Yeah, and weird I today. Like, <laughs> I feel like we, like, I feel like I've personally learned a lot from you today, and I, I totally appreciate it. But, We've, uh, we're coming up on like 51 minutes. So if, if folks want to get in touch with you and before I go into that, Bobby, do you have anything to add? No, this was awesome, man. I, I mean, I feel like anybody listening that's somewhere on that entrepreneurship journey, I think is going to be just like hugely blessed. And I feel like this was just a really value add conversation. So thank you, Chris. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. So Chris, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, learn more about psychedelics or car wash or what have you, or they just feel like they connected with you, you know, what would be the yeah. best way? Jump on Twitter or X, I guess it's called now, and just search for car wash guy. You'll see my face. I've got a yellow background. I talk about all this stuff. If the uh, psychedelic thing in particular was interesting to you, go ahead. My DMs are open, which is a direct message. If you're not familiar with X, you can basically click on the little envelope. You can send me a message. I'm also, uh, what we can do is in the show notes, just drop my email address. I'm happy to talk one-on-one -on -one about this stuff. And I, I love talking car washes. I love talking about business in general. So X is definitely the easiest platform to do that. But if you're not on there, just we'll figure out a way for you to email me and we'll just talk. Uh, I love talking awesome. to people and about this stuff. It's been fantastic, man. Super appreciate it. This stay was a really, really cool conversation. We'll stay in touch. All yeah. right, guys. See y'all. As we conclude this episode of the Good Endeavor Business Show, Bobby and I would like to extend our gratitude for joining us on this insightful journey. Remember, whether in business or life, every endeavor holds profound meaning. Your pursuit of excellence and service contributes to a purposeful narrative. Until next time, keep thriving in all your endeavors.